Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Father, we thank you so much tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, be in your word, be in fellowship with one another. Father, there's nothing like it. And so, Father, we thank you as the body of Christ and as the family of God, we can draw uh, supernatural strength tonight, supernatural power to finish out this year strong. Father, we thank you for all that 2020 has brought us. We thank you uh, that in the midst of whatever chaos and whatever trials or challenges we have faced, uh, we have come out stronger. We've come out better. Uh, Father, we thank you for increase. We thank you we're advancing. We thank you we're progressing toward the mission of God. We do not allow external factors and circumstances to dictate the growth that's taking place within us, Father, but we know uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have been with us, you have fought for us, you go before us. We're gonna go into this new year, go into 2021, rested, assured, strengthened, empowered, and encouraged uh, about what is on the brink, what the future has in store. Our, be- our best days are truly ahead of us. We believe this tonight, Father. We thank you that your Holy Spirit tonight speak to us, illuminate our hearts, illuminate our minds. We have eyes to see and we have ears to hear tonight. Father, I thank you that the word will be expressed uh, and, and spoken, communicated uh, in an enlightening way that we will draw from your word tonight. It is life to us. We give you our attention. We give you our focus. And we thank you for the uh, produce of fruit that we're going to see from it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. I want to start with Jude chapter one. If you remember, we kind of wrapped up there um, last week. Uh, We are talking about combating weariness, combating heaviness, combating exhaustion. We said this, that if the enemy can't defeat you, he will work to wear you out. Um, And so it's incredible, uh, you know, looking back on this year. and, and And I hope that, you know, in times like this, you know, last couple weeks, last 15 or so days of the year, Um, usually a lot of us tend to give some reflection to what has uh, 2020 brought us. Matt, would you mind grabbing that door? Matt Lemieux, would you mind grabbing that door, Uh, just closing it? I don't know if anybody's back there or not, but we don't want to interrupt them. (laughs) Wrong, it would be the other way around, right? Um, I was uh, looking on social media today, not, I wouldn't say a friend of mine, I don't know her that well, but a, a, a minute, you know, Jen Tringali from um, Texas, I believe, does ministry, and she posted this picture, and it was basically, it's, it's considered artwork, it's in some great, large, you know, art museum, I think, in New York City, and it's just this massive board, probably, I think she put the dimensions almost like 90 feet wide, I mean, it's it's huge, Um and it's just paint splattered all over the place. And somehow this is artistic, you know, something. And, and, and so, uh, you know, she put a caption on there. It said, how many of you think this picture sums up 2020? And, and so I just put a little comment in there. I don't do that a lot, but I put a little comment in there. I said, you know, it's kind of like if you're up close, it just looks like mass chaos. But if you get back out far enough and you see the whole picture, you see the big picture, you can see the artwork. You can see 
uh, it's all about perspective. And so I hope in these next two weeks that we can take a step back on 2020, get a big picture glimpse and say, man, look at what God has done this year. Like if we can just get out of CNN a little bit and, and, and get out of our phones a little bit and get out of our feelings a little bit and take a step back and say, look what God did. I remember that moment and it was chaos. And I remember when this took place and that was a big mess. And I remember when that went down. But then you back out and you see it all put together, right? Because he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so, you know, I hope these next two weeks you'll, you'll take some time, take the opportunities um, to just take a step back on 2020, reflect on the goodness of God. Uh, if anything, you made it. Amen. If anything, you, if you made it through 2020, if you made it to the end, uh, that ought to get a big hallelujah. That ought to get a big amen out of us. And let that spur you on to the next year. Let that spur you on to what God has in store. I truly believe our best days are ahead of us. And so it's all about perspective. In Jude chapter 1, in Jude chapter 1, Uh, In verse 3, we read this last week. He said, Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share. And just so you know, I think our projector was still messing up a little bit. So if you have a phone or an iPad or a uh, Bible, you can always use your Bible. Uh, These verses should be in there. (laughs) It's funny, I went to phone and iPad before I even... If you have a physical Bible, just wave it in the air. Let me... I mean, look at those physical Bibles. I love it. I love it. Who would have thought that you could use a Bible? I mean, there might be a little more work turning pages. and Yep, I'm on page 1507 if you're looking. So, Dear friends, although I was eager to share with you about the salvation we share, I find it necessary to write appealing to you appealing to you to contend for the faith. Everyone say contend. To contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. I'm appealing to you. I find it necessary. I'm urging you. I'm encouraging you. Contend for the faith. And so we saw this last week that when you're in moments of contention, you're you're in moments where you're fighting for something, standing for something, withstanding against something. That, that exhaustion and weariness could be just as great an enemy as the enemy that comes against you. And even though we are a people that have the victory, we are a people that fight not for victory, but from victory. Amen, you gotta get a hold of that now. Go into 2021 knowing I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. It's a finished work. It's a completed work. When he, his last three words before he passed on and and gave his last breath on that cross, it is finished, completed, done. This is a done deal. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father. He's not working anymore but now we contend for the faith we fight for the faith and so weariness and exhaustion and tiredness now becomes our 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 greatest challenge the enemy is not your challenge satan is not your challenge overcoming temptation overcoming fear overcoming the things that he brings yes but at the end of the day he's a defeated foe the bible says that he is under our feet that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's 
it's a done deal. So the enemy's not your problem. The enemy's not your challenge. The enemy's not your issue. But now, you, you know, ultimately, who's your greatest enemy? We are. We are. That's why I said perspective is just, you know, one of those big factors that if we could just get the right perspective, that, that we are victors. He's challenging us. We're not challenging him. He's trying to take us down. We're not trying to take him down. The gates of hell cannot prevail, cannot stand against the kingdom, God, the kingdom people, his church, his embassy in the earth. Amen. So we're contending. Well, that exhaustion, that weariness, we saw in Galatians chapter six, just to reference again last week, he says that we should not grow weary while doing good. So it's not just doing evil or doing bad that will cause us to wear out. Sometimes it's staying in the fight, doing the right thing that will bring that weariness and that exhaustion on us. And so we want to know how to combat this. How can we stand against not just the enemy, but against weariness and exhaustion and just being worn out? And I told you that in our day and age right now, a lot of what we're seeing a lot of what's being perpetuated, a lot of what is, is being played on the news outlets and the social media outlets, and, and, and that it's, it's constantly in your ear. It's constantly, and it's designed to wear you out. It's designed to wear you out. It's designed to bring you to the point of, I can't fight anymore. It's designed to, to bring you to a point of, uh, I, I actually did a, 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 not a study, but just, uh, I don't know, just a reading on the history of prisoners of war in, in, in both world wars, uh, the World War II, specifically the way the Japanese treated uh, American POWs as well as in Vietnam. And, and a lot of their tactics and a lot of uh, the things that they did were designed to just simply bring them to the point of, I don't have any fight left, to wear them out mentally, not even just physically, they, they would get physically wore out, but mentally they were breaking them down. Mentally through isolation, through, through repetitive tactics uh, that, that would not just attack the physical body, but the mental, the mental aspect. And that's where the enemy does his greatest work. The enemy can't touch you in your physical body. It's off limits. You're a child of the king. But he will attack you in your mind. He'll attack you in your thinking. And how you think translates into how you live. And so we have to be on guard in our thinking. So I'm going to look at the life of Jesus. How do we combat this weariness? I told you today that we were going to take a look at the, this item of rest. How can we be at rest? I want you to go to, with me to John chapter 4. I want to start there in John chapter 4. This is a story a lot of us are familiar with, the woman at the well. And the way it starts out is how a lot of us end up. The way it starts out is how a lot of us end up in this contending for the faith, fighting the good fight of faith, as Paul called it, running the race, staying the course. In John chapter 4, um, in verse 1, it says, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea 
and went again to Galilee. It says he had to travel through Samaria. He came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And it says this, And Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It says Jesus, worn out. You know, even Jesus got worn out. Even Jesus got wore out. There were, there were items on uh, Jesus' agenda and, and Jesus' mission that brought him to tiredness and to him, to brought him to weariness and even exhaustion physically. He was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. He operated in a physical body just as you and I operate in a physical body. Now, one thing I want you to understand is that you are a spirit. You are a spirit being. That is who you are. You may have heard of the threefold nature of man or the, the, the three-part man. You are a spirit. You possess a soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. But we live in a physical body. We live in a physical body. You know, the church has made a lot of the spirit. Obviously, that's where the life comes from. Romans tells us that if, if our spirit isn't uh, uh, yielding to the Holy Spirit or to God, then it, it's not life in peace to us. It says that it's actually death to us spiritually. can affect our physical state, can affect our mental state, our emotional state. It all derives and rides on our spirit. You've got to get your spirit, man, alive. You've got to get your spirit, man, born again. I read something just the other day that said, if Jesus was born in Bethlehem but never born in my heart, it does me no good. I need him born into my life. I need, I need to accept the, 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 the being born again on the inside. And then we have our soul. The church is, you know, teetered there. How do we take care of our soul? How do we take care of our mind and our will and our emotions? But, you know, the physical body, the, the, the church hasn't touched a lot on that. And I'm not just talking about working out and diets. I'm talking about what is a healthy way to operate in this physical body we live in. Because what we have to understand is this physical body is the vehicle through which God has put his spirit inside of. Think about it. Without your physical body, your spirit does not remain in this earth. Doesn't remain in this earth. And so this physical shell that we live in, even though it, it will decay and it is decaying, and even though it, it's not what's going to get us to heaven, it is the vehicle by which we operate in this earth. And so we have a responsibility to create safeguards and boundaries even for our physical state. Even, and, and yes, that comes down to, uh, you know, how are we taking care of our physical selves? Because if my physical body can't operate in the earth, neither can my spirit. Neither can my spirit. And so Jesus here, even though he's the son of God, even though he is Jesus, the word of God, made flesh dwelling among us, has come to the point of weariness, has come to the point of exhaustion, has come to the point that his physical body is now got him to a place where he could 
possibly not be in a condition to do ministry as he ought to. You can have a call of God on your life, a plan of God for your life, a destiny and a purpose, but if we arrive at a place where we cannot go on or we cannot function, it will compromise the call of God on our life. It'll compromise the call of God on our life. And so Jesus has got this point, gotten to this point. Well, we know that this woman comes out and Jesus Ask the woman, a Samaritan woman, he being a Jewish man, Jewish men don't relate to, talk to, have conversation or any kind of engagement with Samaritan women. So she's like thrown off, like, why are you asking me for a drink? And, and, and Jesus, you know, goes on this whole tangent. Well, if you knew who it was asking you for a drink, you'd be asking me for a drink. And she's like, what are you talking about? This well's been here. Da, da, da. And then, you know, he finally lets her know that, that he is the son of God. And she says, oh, wait a minute, I perceive that you're a prophet, right? You know, because he, he does the whole, uh, go get your husband. Well, I don't have one. Oh, well, yeah, you're, you're right, you don't have one. In fact, you've had five, and the one you're with now isn't your husband. Does, you know, calls her out, I perceive you are a prophet. Does this whole ministry moment, isn't that amazing? That even in a point of exhaustion, even in a point where someone could have been ministering to him, where someone, look, I, I, I've, I've even been there in, in ministry. We've all been there at some point. I'm doing stuff for someone else, but I could really use someone doing something for me. I could really use a return the favor. I could really use, and how do you operate like that? How do we operate like that? I define burnout. You've all heard the term burnout. Well, I'm just burned out. We hear it a lot in ministry. I define burnout as when the, the internal resources, the internal resources are not enough to meet external responsibility. I'll say that again. Burnout is when internal resource is not enough to meet the demand of external responsibility. That's burnout. That's burnout. The external responsibilities outweigh or greater than the internal resource. What I have on the inside of me is not enough to meet the demand of what's on the outside of me, what's, what's drawing on me. You can put it this way, and we, we, we all do it every day, deposits and withdrawals. And you're trying to withdraw more than you deposited. We all end up in these moments where we are, are, there's a demand on us that's greater than what we have to draw on. You know, if you, if you go to the bank today and put $100 in, you can't go tomorrow and say, hey, I need $1,000. That ain't happening. You're going to end up ne negative. You're going to end up bankrupt. And we have a lot of people that are bankrupt, bankrupt physically, bankrupt mentally, Bankrupt emotionally, bankrupt socially, bankrupt financially, bankrupt spiritually. Why? Because the withdrawal is greater than the deposit. The withdrawal is greater than the deposit. So Jesus here in this moment, he's weary. He's exhausted. Makes no bones about it. It lets us know. And Jesus was worn out from his journey, from his travels but yet still finds the energy 
still finds the motivation, still finds the wherewithal to have this conversation with this Samaritan woman. Now, before Jesus engaged this woman in this conversation, it says that he sent his disciples into town to go get him food, right? Because he's wanting to make a natural deposit so that he can make a natural withdrawal. We're only in Samaria. We got to get to Galilee. We've got more to go. So I've got to put something in so I can have something to put out, right? So he sends his disciples in to get natural food, natural strength, natural ability. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want us to know that. There is nothing wrong with needing to require natural resources. God has put natural resources in this earth to take care of you, to sustain you, to motivate you. There's nothing wrong with that. But it, we have to measure where our dependence is. We have to, and a lot of times, we actually just talked about this on Sunday, sources and resources. A lot of times is we put too much trust and too much dependence on a natural thing. And then when it doesn't come through, we're still burnt out. We're still left without. We're still exhausted, still depleted. How many times have you gone on vacation and come back only to be more exhausted than you were before you went on vacation? I've said it myself. I need a vacation from the vacation. Next time, we're leaving the kids at home. That's no vacation. <laughs> it's work. Lugging all that out to the beach, putting that all. I, uh, I lived in the beach, I, I, not lived in the beach, I lived at the beach, St. Augustine Beach. I lived there for eight years. Went to the beach maybe three times a year. Memorial Day, 4th of July, and Labor Day. And all of y'all are like, you crazy. If I lived at the beach, I'd be there every day. No, you wouldn't. Because the privilege of going to the beach comes with the responsibility of cleaning out the car after you lug sand all over it, getting sandwiches at public, standing in line, getting your little sandwiches and dragging your cooler and your chairs and your tents and your toys and your shovels and all the mess. And by the time you get there and then you're there for like an hour and they're like, all right, you ready to go? Dude, I need at least two more hours just to make all this work worthwhile. So I go on Memorial Day, 4th of July, and Labor Day because my wife's family brings all that stuff and all I have to do is show up. That's why I do it. I'll bring chips. I got the chips. I can lug chips out there. But y'all got the tents, y'all got the chairs, y'all got the games. I mean, they got the, but it, to, to go out there, I mean, thank God you could drive on the beach in St. Augustine. I don't know about all, all the other beaches, but in St. Augustine, you can drive right on. And then you get stuck and then you got to dig yourself out. And it's, that's no vacation to me. Give me a swimming pool. I can eliminate like 90% of everything by just going to a pool. Way easier. And there's no sand. But that's just me venting. That's, that's all. Some of y'all are like, I would love to be at the beach right now. Yeah, there it is. How many times have we said, I need a vacation from the vacation? How many times have we relied on or depended on some type of natural resource 
to bring us rest and to bring us, but yet it only leaves us empty. Look at Jesus's words. Drop down here, we're in John chapter four. This is after he does ministry. John chapter four. And remember, he's talking to this woman at the well and, and, and he's, he's talking you know, about this physical water and she thinks he's talking about physical water and a physical well, but he's actually saying, you know, what well are you running to? What well are you running to? And what he was really trying to get at with the woman was is you're marrying and marrying and marrying. You're running to the wrong well to meet the wrong need, to meet the wrong desire. Well, in the midst of all this, Jesus ends up getting ministered. Did you know you can get ministered to as you're ministering to someone else? Did you know that you can have something going in while you are giving something away? That's what I want to talk about tonight. Because I want us to have the proper focus and the proper perspective of rest because I, I, I don't know about you, I need to go into 2021 knowing how to find rest. I need to go into this next year knowing where to turn to find the peace, the solutions, the answers, the rest from the weariness and the exhaustion. I'm gonna tell you right now, it, the calendar may change, but it doesn't mean the reports will, doesn't mean the news will, doesn't mean the challenges will. Look, they don't follow a calendar. They, 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 they don't look at it and say, oh, it's, uh, there, it's 2021. All right, we'll take it easy on you. You know it doesn't work that way. We're going to wake up January 1st. There's only more that's going to be pressing on us as believers. There's only going to be more that's going to be challenging. There's only going to be more that's going to be weighing on us. We have to know how to combat this weariness and find the rest that God wants us to find. Well, in verse, uh, let's see, verse, let's, let's start with verse 27. We'll start there. He's just finished ministering to this woman. She's blown away by his word. Just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with the woman yet no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they left the town and made their way to him. Verse 31 says, in the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. Rabbi, eat something. We went, you were weary, you were tired, you were exhausted. We went into town. We got the natural resource you needed. And look at his response in verse 31. Verse 32, I'm sorry, verse 32. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. I have food to eat that you don't know about. And the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? Now, where are they thinking? Naturally. What are they thinking? See, this is what's gonna happen, is the world's gonna look at us in the midst of the same challenges, in the midst of the same issues, uh, uh, hearing the same stuff, living right, and they're gonna say, why are you so calm? 
Why are you at peace? Why aren't you concerned? Why aren't you weary? Why? And you'll be able to say, I draw from a different source. I draw my strength. I draw my power. I draw my rest from somewhere else. I'm going to point you to a new resource. I'm going to point you somewhere else. But he said, I have food to eat, verse 32, that you don't know about. And the disciples said to one another, because someone had brought him something to eat. Look what he says in verse 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish. And if you have a Bible, you can write, I want you to underline that word, circle that word, highlight it, whatever. And to finish his work. Let's look at that verse again. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. One of the reasons why we end up weary and tired and exhausted is because we end, but we don't finish. There's a difference between ending and finishing. There's a difference between ending something and finishing something. And we have to fight to the finish, get to the completion of something. Now, ending something is just us deciding, I'm done. One of our favorite phrases in church is, my season is up. That's, that's one of our favorite that's one of our favorite sentences. Uh, if you've done, if you've had any kind of leadership capacity in a church, you've probably heard that from somebody at some point. Because that's the way we spiritualize. I'm tired, and I don't think I can do this anymore. What if Jesus would have said, "My season is up." You know how many times that he not only got weary from those that were coming against him. He got weary from his own disciples. <laughs> he got tired of them. There was one time he says, you know, are you guys ever going to get it? You know, how many, how many times do I have to explain this to you? The same thing over and over. You still don't see. You still don't understand. You're jumping out of boats and sinking in the water. You're fighting with one another, cutting guys' ears off. I've told you a million times, at three days I rise again. Three days I rise again. Three days I rise again. Hey, you know, when is your kingdom coming? When can we make you king? It's like, that's not what this is all about. He was brought to the point of exhaustion by his own people. And what if he just got to the conclusion and just said, you know what? Forget it. You know, and a lot of times we have this idea, well, somebody else will pick it up. Somebody else will do it. But when you finish something, you transfer it to someone else. See, Jesus was only doing ministry for three and a half years. That's not very long. And then he did what? Transferred his power delegated his authority, delegated the assignment to the apostles and to the disciples. And that's why we have the book of Acts. They completed what Jesus started to the T. Jesus was healing, they were healing. 
Jesus raised the dead, they raised the dead. Jesus cast out demons, they cast. I mean, everything Jesus did, they did. And they did it in greater number. Didn't Jesus say that in John chapter 14, verse 12? One of the hardest verses for a lot of Christians to swallow. And these works that I do, you will do. And even greater works. What do you mean greater works? Not greater in quality, greater in quantity. There's going to be more of you doing what I'm doing alone by myself. We're going to have a whole earth filled with Jesus's, with the same power and the same authority to take the message, take the gospel. And, and, and the great commission is not just go and, 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 and preach the gospel and, and, and make converts. It's making disciples. He says, you'll lay hands on the sick, you'll see them recover, you'll speak with new tongues, you'll cast out demons. It's exerting the power and the authority of the kingdom of God. That's the great commission. Well, what's that saying? Jesus didn't just decide to end it. Okay, this is, this is it. That's enough I can take. That's all I can do. No, he finished. And he said, my food, my sustenance, my source of strength and rest and peace is doing the will of the Father and finishing the work. I tell you what, there is no rest like being in the will of God. There is no rest like being in the will of God. So Jesus' search, watch this, wasn't for rest. It was for the mission. And as a result of finding the mission, he found the rest. He easily could have sat on that well and said, not today. I, I don't got it in me. I'm tired. I need someone to give me water. I need these guys to go get me food, go, go, go find some Chick-fil-A, bring it back. I'm not sitting in that drive-thru. Y'all come bring it to me. He did a mobile order. He did a, a curbside pickup. I'm going to sit right here, and y'all going to come bring it to me. He had it figured it out. He had it figured out. And then this woman shows up. I mean, he could have easily, oh, no, no. But, you know, in John chapter 5, John chapter 6, John chapter 7, three times Jesus makes these statements along these same lines. I'm not here to do my own will. I'm not here to do my own initiative. I don't do what I want to do. I don't say what I want to say. I don't go where I want to go. Now think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, you can't make the statement, I don't do what I want to do if you don't at some point have an opposing agenda or an opposing idea of what to do. Remember in the garden what Jesus said to his father, if there's any way that this cup passed from me. But what did he say? Not my will. By making that statement, he is saying, I don't want to do this. This, this is not the way I want to do it. We get the most wore out and we get the most burnout and we get the most tired when we try to figure it out our way. Because not only does it not produce the results that God wants us to produce, it doesn't bring us the rest that God wants to bring us. We will only find rest in doing the mission of God. It doesn't always require a vacation. Nothing wrong with it. Doesn't always require a day off. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But if you're pursuing the natural resource to meet the demand, you're gonna come up empty every time. You're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're still gonna remain burned out. You're, 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 you're gonna end up in a position where you're not sustained for the mission that God has called you to. The greatest way to find rest, get to be about the Father's business. What's his mission? Now, yes, does it mean more work? Sure. But do you believe that God can bring rest in the midst of the work? Absolutely. He turns around and tells his disciples after they went and brought this, got them this food. I don't need it. I don't need it. Because my food, my source, my sustenance is to do the will of the Father. That's where I find rest. That's where I find my peace. Doing the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I have left seasons. I've left assignments that I didn't finish. I ended it, but I didn't finish it. And you know what? It left me empty. I can say beyond the shadow of a doubt that extending, pushing past, and enduring and persevering past, wanting to give in, wanting to give up, wanting to lay down, and saying, no, you know, I'm going to see this through. I'm going to see this to the end. My season is not up. I'm not coming to a close. There's more work to be done, and I'm going to see this until I can delegate it to someone else or until I finish it myself. And I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt, every time I was way better off in the end, than when I ended sooner than I should have. God wants us to be finishers. Fight to the finish. Fight to the finish. That needs to be our cry. Fight to the finish. That's what Paul said. I mean, think about the confidence Paul has when he's writing those words to Timothy. I have fought the good fight of faith. Can we say the same? Will we be in a position to say the same? I've fought the good fight. I kept my faith, he said. I kept it. That means there's something coming for it. There's something trying to take it. Just like Jude said, we got to contend for the faith. I kept the faith. I ran my race. He even said, I know that there is a great prize awaiting me. There is a reward awaiting me. What kind of confidence is that? What kind of confidence is that? I stayed about the Father's business. I did the work that he called me to. And I didn't just give up and lay down even though it would have been. He, he even told the people that. He said, man, I'm not going to lie to you. To go on and be with the Lord be much greater, far better. But he said, it's far better for you that I remain, that I stay. Writing that from a prison cell. Even when it, 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 it probably to him had to seem like, what impact is he making? No guarantee that those letters that he was spending time writing were even going to get to the appropriate church. No guarantee. But yet he fought the fight. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. If you were coming thinking I was going to tell you exactly how many weeks sabbatical you need and 
in great vacation spots, top 10 vacation spots. That's, that's not this message tonight. But I can tell you that you will find rest and you will find peace when you find your mission. When you find something you're passionate about, you'll find you'll need as little natural resource as possible. I'm not saying you won't need it. Won't, I'm not talking against it at all. But a lot of times we run to those things before we ever even found what we're passionate about, before we ever found what our mission was, before we ever got the Father's heart. What do you want me to do? I don't do anything on my own will, on my own initiative. I only do what he tells me. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. What's he say in verse 30? For my yoke is easy and my burden is like, notice you're trading yokes and you're trading. But he doesn't say, I'll relieve you of any responsibility whatsoever and you can just coast through life. That's not what it says. He says, what I have you to do will be the answer you're looking for. If you'll get serious about the mission that I have called you to, you'll find the rest you need. You'll find that you won't need as much rest as you thought you did. In these times of weariness, in these times of exhaustion, when, when all this is coming against us, number one, you, you've got to learn to shut that stuff out. You've got to learn when to get quiet. You know, Jesus would go to lonely places to be alone. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Jesus could be alone, but he knew, I'm not lonely. I'm, I'm not distant. I'm not isolated. No, you don't ever want to get to that place. But there are times where we have to, uh, what we're taking in is sabotaging and, and zapping any strength we had. Anything we did have left, it's being grabbed at by everything that is pulling on us. It's designed to wear you out. It's designed to tire you. But he says what? Come to me. Where you go. Look, whatever you attach your peace and your rest to, you'll always live at the mercy of. You'll always live at the mercy of what you attach your rest and your peace to. You'll always live at the mercy of what you attach your rest and your peace to. If you, if you require uh, the, that, that two-week vacation, if you have your, 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 your cart hitched to that, guess what? If it comes, if it goes, if it doesn't come, you live at the mercy of it. But he's saying, come to me. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will, I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest 
for your souls. Where's that? That's your mind. That's your will. That's your emotions. He's wanting you to come to rest in your mind. Look, you, you would rather be at rest in your mind than in your body. You ever gone on vacation, but your mind wasn't at ease? Doesn't work. And, and, and honestly, that's just the way that I'm wired. It takes me at least the first couple of days just to unwind and disconnect from everything. But man, if, if I don't disconnect mentally, it doesn't matter if I'm laying on the beach. If my mind is running 90 miles a minute, I might as well be in the office answering every phone call that comes my way. I, I might as well, you know, what, what good does that do? Where do you really want the rest? On the inside. We spend so much time trying to bring rest on the outside. What if we started paying more attention to where we really need the rest? Where we're really getting worn out. Where we're really growing tired and exhausted. Last passage I want you to see here in um, Luke chapter five. You'll always live at the mercy what you attach your rest to, your peace to. You know, the word of God tells us he'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Whose mind is, as a qualifier, that's a qualifier, whose mind is stayed on him. You keep your mind on him and he will keep you at peace, perfect peace, perfect peace. In Luke chapter five, verse 15, Using Jesus as an example again. But the news about him spread even more. And large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. What's that? That's an external demand. That's those withdrawal moments. That's those moments where he's being drawn on. He's about the mission. He's, about, he's being about the Father's business. But look, that, it, sometimes it said all day he would spend healing people and ministering to people and, 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 and all these different things. And, and, and so, you know, these are things that, yeah, it's ministry. Sure, it's the mission of God, but it draws on you. It pulls on you. So look what it says in the next verse, verse 16. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. He often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Where did he go? He went to the Father. He went to the Father. Now look at this. He wasn't withdrawing from the people. He was withdrawing to the Father. Most of the time for us, when we're looking for rest, it's about getting away from something. For Jesus, it was about getting closer to something. The next time you're looking for rest, the next time you're looking for peace, flip it and ask yourself, am I trying to get away from something? Or am I focused on what I'm trying to get to? Get to the Father. Get to him. Get to the one with the answers. Get to the one with the solutions. And don't be so fixated on getting away from. Well, if I could just get away. Look, at the end of the day, Jesus recognized this. I have nothing to give these people if I'm not getting with the Father. 
pastor friend of mine, he, he, he told me years ago, he said, if the people are getting to you, then you're not getting with Jesus. If the situations in your life are getting to you, then you're not spending enough time getting to the Father, being with the Father. That was, the, that was his ultimate goal. He recognized, look, his, his prayer life wasn't complaining, grumbling, griping. God, why won't you do this? God, let me tell you about how bad my situation is. That's what a lot of our prayer life is. But a powerful prayer life, a prayer life full of power is where you recognize I'm going to the source to get a solution for the problems that are, that are at hand. And so I've got to get with the Father so that when I get with the problem, I'll have the answer. And you won't be as worn out by the problem when you recognize I have the solution. Man, that's a whole different perspective. My prayer life is not something to just, you know, give, my, give God my checklist of all the stuff I need him to do for me this week. It is, God, how do you want me to meet this need? How do you want me to be the, the solution, the answer to this problem that I'm in? I wrote this down on this verse. The greater the demand on Jesus, the greater the dependence on the Father. The greater the demand on Jesus, the greater the dependence on the Father. News spread about him. Large crowds following him. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, heal my son. Jesus, cast this demon out of my son. Jesus, open my eyes. Jesus this and Jesus that. And what does he do? He recognizes the demand requires dependence. The demand on my life requires me to be dependent on the Father. What would happen if you went into your life saying, the greater the demand, the greater the dependence. The greater the demand, the greater the dependence. Isn't that what Jesus said he was gonna give us for these last days, for these end times? A helper. <laughs> A helper. Has anybody ever said this statement? This is too big for me. This is too much for me. I don't know how to do this. Yeah, of course you have. We all have. And God knew we would be in situations that demanded a helper and therefore gave you one. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. The greater the demand on my life, the greater the dependence on the helper. The greater the demand coming against me. Man, things look dark this year. Thing, a lot of stuff was hitting the fan this year. A lot of stuff coming out. A lot of stuff weighing. A lot of stuff pulling. A lot of stuff demanding. Boy, this was a great year to be the dependent, to be dependent on the Father, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to talk to Him, to withdraw, not to isolate and disengage, but to get with the Father to say, when I get back out there, I need an answer. When someone asks me this question about this situation, about this challenge, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to tell me what to say. I'll tell you this year, uh, you know, as a pastor, it's been demanding. It's been challenging. Having to make decisions that it doesn't matter what decision you make, you are upsetting somebody, a people group. Having to be careful with your words and all this other mess. I've had to rely on the Holy Spirit this year. I've had to rely on his spirit and his presence. I've had to get alone. I've had to pull away. I've had to withdraw. 
we all have to have these moments. If Jesus needed it, who are we to think we don't? I got this. Not even Jesus said that. What did he say? I don't do anything on my own initiative. If God called me to it, then he's going to have to lead me through it. If Jesus has called me to it, then I'm going to have to rely on him. You're going to have to lead the way. You're going to have to show me. Now, he's not going to do it for you. You don't get helpers to do it for you. You get helpers to do it with you. Amen? Let's rely on the Holy Spirit. Let's rely on the Father. Let's go to the Father. Let's depend on the Father. The demand is coming, and it's going to be great. I don't even have to be prophetic to speak that. It is. Jesus himself said, trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. Look at your neighbor say, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. You can be of good cheer. You can be joyful this year. You can be at peace this year. You can be at rest this year. You can be rest assured. You can be confident this year. You can be uh, uh, put together this year. I mean, there's been times I've been in conversations with people and I would walk away and it's like, where did that come from? This is the Holy Spirit. I didn't have those answers. I didn't know how to respond to that. I didn't know how to put it that way. But the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus promised, he will give you the words to say when you need it. Man, we got to learn to depend on and rely on the Holy Spirit. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.